Hello and welcome to Country Stride, the podcast dedicated to the landscapes, people and heritage of Cumbria and the Lake District. I'm here today on a glorious day in sunny Langdale with author, illustrator and our guide for today's walk, Mark Richards. Hello, David. I could hear the rooks and a few dogs, a gentle breeze and what a promising day it is. Oh, this is one of these heavenly days that comes along. Early autumn, isn't it? And it always seems to be when the schools have gone back, I have to say. <laughs> this is like really the end of summer. The bracken's beginning to turn. Okay. We're right at that cusp, that key moment in time when hot turns to chillier. Transition days. Mm. They call these days the dog days of summer, don't they, I think? The inversions all over the place this morning, so the mist is slowly getting burnt off. But there was a tractor wow. coming by now because the, the, the last cut has been done for hay or silage. Yeah. So that there are, everybody's busy today. Everybody's out and about. The first thing to say is happy birthday to Country Stride. Amazing. We're one. We're one. <laughs> and so approximately this time a year ago, on a much colder day from memory, we were sitting in Wasdale Head. Quacky me, that was a drafty day. 18 episodes behind us. Thank you to all our listeners, particularly those who've been with us from the start. We've had a we've had a blast this past year, mm. going all over the county and meeting all kinds of people. Mm. But today we're doing something a little bit different, Mark. We're turning the spotlight onto you. Instead of you interviewing a guest, you are the guest who I will be interviewing. It's an opportunity for me to share an experience that spans 50 years, really, mm. and uh, reflects on my passion for the hills. Uh, we're, and we're sharing a, a day on the fells uh, in the heart of the most wonderful valley, Great Langdale, and we're getting actually up onto the Langdale Pikes. And if you've glanced at the Country Stride podcast website, you'll see there they are, Harrison Stickles, mm. Boulders Brass on the cover. So we're going to go up there, and Pike of Stickle, uh, we're going to have a, a three-hour romp up onto the tops we're in Great Langdale because I said to you pick one of your favourite walks for our special first birthday so why have you picked particularly uh, the walk up to Pico Stickle and this lovely valley my very first trip out with my mountaineering club when I, I started walking I didn't start walking with a rambling club I joined a mountaineering club and they stayed at the mountain hut just down by Chapel Stile Mm. And we came and we climbed up on Ravenclag behind Old Dungeon Gill and we went onto the pikes and up onto Piker Stickle. And I thought, right. now that actually is a wonderful summation of my first experience of real mountains. It's got some personal history for you, uh, Piker Stickle, and this valley. I mean, it, it does get busy, doesn't it, Mark? Perhaps it's a little bit easy to take it for granted, but it, it does remain one of the fine valleys of Lakeland and what's our route what do we uh, there's various ways up onto the pikes aren't there what, which one have you chosen well I've chosen the one that re reflects my name we're going up Mark Gate goodness right I didn't know that <laughs> Mark Gate yeah we just go at the back here we ford Dungeon Gill yeah below it the actual dungeon yeah and then it winds up towards oh, Loft okay. Crag right. it's a very direct route yeah. towards Piker Stickle right and the final thing we should say, Mark, is another part of the reason we're here is we're celebrating the soon-to-be-released updates to your Fell Ranger guidebooks. And specifically, Fell Ranger number two there is 
the Langdale Pikes and Bowfells. So there's a bit of a tie-in with that as well. Oh yeah, very much so. I'm, I'm thrilled with this because after 20 years utter devotion to exploring the fells and I started Fell Ranger before I moved to Cumbria. Mm. Uh, this is now uh, the team effort that's gone into it from Cicero and is extremely good. It's all the fells, all the routes, orientated to the valleys and the first two titles are Wasdale and here in Langdale. Right Mark, well let's make a start on our way to Mark Gate. So we're at our first point junction here, Mark. We're just beside Sticklegill, uh, yep. which you know had a previous name. It was always known as Millgill. And in fact, oh. that little enclosure just behind the pub there, Sickle Barn, had a mill wheel in it once right. upon a time. So okay. it was, it was an important powerhouse, the beck itself. And the fact the farm below here on the opposite side of the beck is called Millgill Farm. History is repeating itself, isn't it? Because there's a new hydroelectric scheme just further up. Yep, so the um, National Trust have adopted the whole uh, green energy resource that uh, this art represents here. Yeah, okay. So we are making a change here. We're breaking off from the route that goes directly up the gill, uh, and we bare left, uh, and we've got a lovely view up the pasture ahead of us, which is a stony pasture, but it's full, I don't know, 200 sheep up there, Herdwicks? Maybe, it could be 300. They're all below the boundary walls now, aren't they? So they've been bought down over the past couple of weeks. Mm. All of Lower Lakeland is now full of sheep. Well, yes, yeah, they're fattening them all up as best they can to then put them to tub. They're taking full advantage of the warmer weather to get, to get the sheep resilient for the winter. Right, yeah, okay. So this is their last chance for this lovely, rich meadow growth down in the valleys. We're talking a little bit about uh, you today and your walking history. Crikey. I thought we'd start at the start and your first love of the outdoors, because like me, you're not a, a native Cumbrian, are you? You grew up in the lowlands of the Cotswolds. Hmm. Yeah, I've brought up on a farm. I've always been in the countryside, so instinctively, wherever I am, I feel very comfortable uh, where I've got open space. Everything about my life up until the age of 20 at least, was indulgently all about farming. I stayed in farming until I was 40, but up until 20, everything was orientated to farming. So you think that immersion in the outdoors at that early period of your life almost set the seeds for, for what you've come to do in later life? Interestingly, it's basically because my father ancestrally came from Cornwall, so we occasionally had holidays in Cornwall, but my mother came from the Pennines, the High Pennines, the Upper Wensleydale area. So uh, summer holidays tended to be orientated to coming to the Yorkshire Dales and luxury trips to the Lake District. Right. I had busman's holidays in, in my early teens, to my mother's cousin's farm, near Kirby Lonsdale up on the fells. Right. So I really got into fells from a, a, a countryman's perspective. What is it that you remember from those early trips to these wide open spaces in the, the North Pennines? I love this feeling that you could actually get into really wild countryside rather than manicured countryside where everything was orchestrated for 
beef and corn and so forth. Here you've got much wilder countryside. So it was just a nice contrast, but it, I felt it was part of the family tradition, although nobody in my family I ever knew of explored the outdoors. Mm, oh, right, okay. So you're a pioneering Richards in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a picture. I've got one photograph of my uncle and his wife, uh, my aunt and uncle, on Helvellyn wearing ordinary shoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Remarkable well, that's, that's kind of how they did things back in the day, isn't they? Absolutely. And uh, tweed jackets and the like, rather than all the very expensive kit we're, we're now used my first, to. My first hill I ever climbed, seriously, was Cheviot, and I went up oh, in right. ordinary bra brown shoes. I'm sure they were even browner when you got back. <laughs> Blacker. Yeah, no treads at all, it was just slick soles. Uh, oh, my God. God. Yeah, yeah. That's been a proper revolution, hasn't it, the yeah. outdoor clothing? Yeah, indeed. I've got some amazing mammoth boots on at the moment today. They're like you do. amazing. Bit of name dropping there. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, Mark, we will carry on up uh, away from... There we go, you can hear the people behind us now. It's going to be a busy day on the fells. Let's, uh, let's carry on. Okie dokes. Well, heck of a spring on that uh, kissing gate. What a moment here. It was a point where we split from the valley route, which goes on up towards the old Dungeon Gill, and uh, path follows this rugged old wall uh, northwards, Pike Tau, the peak directly above us, and Dungeon Gill sort of hidden away in the cleft. And I can see above the enclosure, looking slightly to our right, on the horizon, you can see Pavey Arc. But this in near enclosure is absolutely covered in herdwick sheep and, and rooks. They seem to be rooks, very yeah. compatible. And then you've got tarn crag associated with stickle tarn. And further around to the right, white gill. But the really defining thing about this little vantage point here is that fabulous view of the crown of peaks at the head of the valley, the uh, crinkle crags there, uh, both fell slightly... Oh, it's had a sight. You can just see the band and uh, Pike Blisco and Blake Rig and Side Pike here. The, the view is absolutely stunning because everything's blue. There's not a hint of a cloud no, in the sky. No, no. So rewind in time, Mark. You were mentioning earlier on one of your very first trips or the first trip to the lakes. It was here. So you would have come very close to here on your ascent of Pico Stickle. What do you remember about that trip? Uh, it was uh, very wet. <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> Very cloudy. Not like today. Not like today. I, I think I had one of my earliest really thrilling moments, apart from climbing on Raven Crag, which was quite nerve-wracking because they'd never been on Naked Rock before. Uh, but I remember going up onto Bow Fell, up to Ore Gap, and I remember blanket cloud and just had one window of clearness. And you look back and you could see Pika Stickle as if it was right. framed by uh, the clouds. And, really? And that was oh, so thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just shows the show. Seeing everything is marvellous, but seeing almost nothing can be marvellous as well. When you get little pockets of cloud gap, and suddenly you think, wow! It's a different kind of drama, isn't it? It is. It's like yeah, a picture yeah. on the wall. You Suddenly you've got this framed image of something really thrilling. Right. And so how old are you at this, this uh, your first visit, Mark? I would be about 19. 19. So, so that's quite old. Late, late teenager. You were mainly climbing, but climbing didn't stick with you. You're, you found your passion as walking. I couldn't fit in with all the schedules that, uh, for the meets of the Mountaineering Club. And after a right. year of really intensive trips out with them, and I kept going for four or five years with them, I did find that uh, I could get out more on my own 
they gave me confidence actually to use a map and compass. And, okay. and this actually has been the bedrock of my understanding of the outdoors. Let's, uh, let's carry on up to Dungeon Gill. So we've just crossed Dungeon Gilmark and we're on a lovely little grassy bank here, just looking over a, an old pollarded ash tree there and there's a holly tree laden with berries. Mm. Really quiet little spot, the last of the heather now dying back, still a few purple sprigs there aren't there. And a couple of lads here just uh, filling up their water, they're off to climb Gimmer Crag which I suppose back in the day was that one of your... Well it's a serious rock climb area. Uh, and uh, all the most brilliant rock climbers always aspire for Gimmer because their yeah. cliff is substantial. It's very much off the beaten track for walkers. I, I have been across to it. So you were mentioning uh, Wainwrights and you're one of the very, very few people, Mark, who not only met the, uh, the legend of Lakeland walking, um, but also you, you stayed with him. You formed uh, a relationship over many years uh, which informed some of your illustration as well. Yeah, I, I was into pen and ink drawing before I met him, which is the only way I got to know him anyway, because he could see that I was instinctively geared to his way of approaching things artistically. I, I wasn't a sketcher, neither was he. I love architecture and structures and buildings and landscapes, and so I tried everything through my teenage years. I had people like Frederick Griggs, who were great heroes of mine, and uh, Jack Prout, who did the Black Bob the Dandy Wonder Dog artistry, and uh, Robin Tanner, who was a family friend, uh, who did most remarkable pen drawings of rural farmyards and uh, artifacts to do the countryside. And I aspired to illustrating like that. Uh, and William Morris, there's a wonderful book on William Morris uh, looking at Kelmscott and so on. And that was absolutely majestic. But Frederick Griggs from Chipping Camden, uh, and I was in the local Young Farmers Club connected with Chipping Camden, uh, gave me that uh, vision of how drawing, pen and ink drawing could be done both imaginatively but very artistically accurate. I loved accuracy. So when did you first come across the work of Alfred Wainwright? Uh, I was actually only 13 when I bought my first Wainwright guide, perchance. Where, where, where did you buy it? What was in Ambleside. Right. Uh, probably what's now Fred Holdsworth or whatever yeah, it is now. Fred's Bookshop. Fred's Bookshop. Uh, it, it mightn't have been there, but I remember buying it there. Right. And uh, it was a Southern Fells. Uh, and it reminded me of the comic books that I'd read through my very young days. And uh, Were you blown away by it? I mean, did oh. you think, not only this, is this exceptional, somebody's publishing this stuff? Yeah, I thought I can really relate to this because all the comics I've been used to were pen and ink artistry. Yeah. Uh, and then it related to a landscape I was beginning to find uh, just, just was me. I didn't need to right. go to exotic places. And in fact, I have never gone to exotic places. This is exotica to me. Yeah. I've never lost the sheer joy of being in this kind of landscape. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you, you pick up this Wainwright book and you're pretty blown away by the artistry and, and marrying it with these landscapes which you're falling in love with. When did you first make contact with the man behind this book that's so exciting you? I did all these drawings. I kept giving them away to family and friends. Uh, and a, a lady, Amy Bignall was her name, she saw that, uh, that I had this love for mountains and that I'd started to pick up on this Wainwright thing. So she sent the drawings that I'd given her to Wainwright for his opinion on my right, art. Really? 
And um, he responded to her and she gave me the letter. I was completely flummoxed. I didn't expect anything of this sort of thing. And, and, and he was quite engaging and charming about it. It didn't seem as if many people who had taken to imitating him, as it were, and I had family friends who said, whatever you do, don't copy anyone. No, no. Be yourself, but be influenced. And that was yeah. one of the things that probably endeared me to Wainwright was the fact that I was keen to develop from him. What was his early assessment of your work? I mean, he, he liked it, did he? Was he encouraging? He got me to do some subjects and, and see what I could make of them. Really? So I did wow. uh, the Matterhorn Right. He's uh, giving you classroom exercises. Yeah, in effect. And then I did the sky too, and put too many stipples in the sky. So he sent Ooh, me a... B minus. And he actually did it as it should be done and stuck it over the drawing and sent it <laughs> really? back. So uh, he gave me that little oh. encouragement. Then, of course, uh, I was brave enough to say, might I call in and see him sometime? Okay, so talk us through that. So <laughs> up, up you get to Kendall Green. Uh, and he said, if you're ever in the area, and I, of course... The very next weekend, I came up and stayed with a mother, <laughs> mother's cousin near Kobe Lonsdale. And, uh, yeah. and then on the Sunday, I, I drove over to Kendall Green. And uh, I, I can remember sitting in the car because I got there half an hour early. <laughs> so I sat in the car. And Were you then nervous? I, You're meeting one petrified, of your early heroes. Petrified. And I, I'd never met a famous person in my life before. No and way. at the time, he was still very unknown by everybody. Yeah. So um, I didn't know how I'd be received. Uh, but his second wife, who has been married a year, Betty, uh, was very charming and very warm and welcoming because she desperately wanted to recover him. He'd become such a recluse. He cut himself off from people, and certainly the young generation he cut them himself off from. What, off the back of the ending of his first marriage That's and it, the tough times tough, he was going it, through? He, he just couldn't cope. His retreat was doing the books, but even then that wasn't enough because we all have a basic many needs like food and clean clothes and things. Yeah. And uh, he'd, he'd become an absolute sorry sight. But anyway, she'd done a huge amount. They'd been together a little about three years and then they got married. And that, so I knew one year into the marriage, uh, I went up into his study uh, and we had a little look round and talked about things. And, and then uh, we came down and had a cup of tea and he said to Betty, He's a nice boy, isn't he? Oh, Mark. I've been How did he I... get you so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and I never threatened him in any way in terms of... Uh, I wasn't media. I only ever took one photograph of, of him and all the time I knew him. I didn't tell anybody about it. No. So that sort of was why we were so close. That first meeting was the first of several, wasn't it? And you, you stayed there on some occasions. You went walking with him, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I went there a good dozen weekends. Did you? Over three years before I got married, I was up there whenever I could. Uh, but you went walking with him as well, Mark? Well, considerably. Every time I went up, he'd always allocated Saturday for being out with me and uh, and that was wonderful Slowly, yeah okay he, he was at the age where and his fitness was beginning to decline as it were he wouldn't walk consecutive days so if he knew i was coming the saturday would be devoted to a, a, a proper research walk and i'd walk from uh, shap to richmond over a sequence of weekends he's researching his coast-to-coast -coast walk at that point is he with you as his companion yeah absolutely right. and the okay. fact that um he finished the whole research at Richmond because yeah. he originally started from Richmond and went to Robin Hood's Bay because that was the one tract of countryside he didn't know of. Okay. So he wanted to make certain that worked, 
Then he went back to St. Bees and walked all the way back through to Richmond. But the time I got to know him, first got to know him, he'd only got as far as Shap. So I, uh, I experienced all that section right the way through to Richmond. So I, I've got that unique uh, connection with the Coast to Coast of actually doing it in harmony with the guy creating it. Yeah, that's quite something. Uh, how was he as a walking companion? Always prepared to talk. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, he would walk quietly and engage. And I, you don't I, really walk quietly, do you? <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, quite the reverse, yeah. yes. Uh, he did very well to cope with me, quite frankly. But I think Betty was a great player in the stories. Was she walking as well? Was she oh, with yes. you? Oh, right, so it's the three we, of you. When was the last time you saw Wainwright? About three months before he died. Right. I, I took my family to see him. You knew he was ill, did you? Yep, I knew yeah. he was ill. And uh, we went to see him and he was almost blind. And my children read uh, letters that he'd received to him. Because he was very good with your kids, wasn't he? Yeah, Alison yeah. and Daniel, uh, my youngsters, who are now in their 40s, near enough. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> they, youngsters. <laughs> yeah, youngsters. Uh, my daughter had um, a teddy bear called Alfred. Really? always find it fascinating the uh, the disparity i suppose between the public perception of wainwright and this story you hear from people who actually knew him yeah if you genuinely knew him you could warm to him and yeah. uh, he's still awkward oh he would be because ways, he couldn't he? cope with people no okay. uh, he had he had a condition a kind of autism. Was that Richard Elsie's uh, book that suggested autism. that? Yeah, it's on the spectrum. And uh, there are people who say I'm on the spectrum, but then it's because I'm just too verbose. Right. Or okay. too happy for my own good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And, um, and if there was one thing in all those times that you stayed with Wainwright and, and got his advice that you learned, what do you think that would be? Uh, um, use your eyes. Read the landscape. Use your eyes. Use your map. Read the map study things around you, be curious, and wish to share that with other people. So we've come up another few hundred meters now, Mark, and the view down the valley opens up. There's some lovely hay meadows, as you indicated. All um, the hay's out drying, isn't it? It'll be the last cut of the year. Uh, and they've got this little pocket of uh, a few days for it to dry. But we're looking down over one of the many waterfalls that is situated above the main Dungeon Gill Force. Is it Dungeon Gill Force? There's a ravine that you just cannot get through. Now you get to this point and you, you can see one of a set of uh, waterfalls. The one we can see, you can clamber up the brackety grass bank to the left of the waterfall itself. Yeah. It's a mare's tail of a fall. And at the moment, it's tangible, but you can get here on amazing times when it's really a strong force. It becomes ever more enchanting and enclosed mm. as you get further up. And then there's one really formidable waterfall that just you have to give up on. You, you come up the bank, very steep bank to the left, onto the Thorn Crag or Loft Crag side on the west side of the, of the ravine. It's one of the very, very underused ways into the uh, Langdale Pikes, isn't it? You can climb Harrison Stickle by following that ravine up. And you're right, it's a really sheltered, uh, almost kind of lost hanging valley. It's yeah, wonderful, yes. wonderful this, place. This is it. These are for intrepid people who really want to love their mountains. The route we're on now is just a gentle route. And this is fine because you've got wonderful views. Oh, yeah. But once you get into the ravine, into the gullies there, you're into a very different world. You're part of the geology of the mountain. You're a part of the rocks. And the uh, piked how the 
knob of rock up, up there, mm. like Pacasicle and so on, it's the vent of a volcano. Volcanoes yeah. had lots of vents to them, uh, and that is what that is. So when you look at it and think about it, you're looking at some really ancient element of the landscape there. It's not just a peak. It's part of that volcanic origin of this area. This reading of the landscape that you're doing, even now uh, as we stand here, stretches back a long way. Your first guidebook, I believe, was it the Southwest Coast Path or no, Cotswold Way? No, I did Cotswold Way, yeah, that's it. That's right. That was so my is, doorstep. This is your local walk way yeah. back. Interestingly, because joining the Mountaineering Club, I met a man called Tony Drake. He picked up on my Wainwright connection right at the beginning and he said, well, you should do a guide to my route because he was the, the father of the Cotswold Way. Right. And at the time, somebody had printed out a, a route description on a, a several sheets of A4. <laughs> <laughs> Turn left at the tree. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, Keep and on the escarpment. A bit like a coast path, actually, the Cotswold Way, because he goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Yes. So I did that guide and Wainwright was very enthusiastic about it and I dedicated it to to AW and Betty. Did so. you really? So, oh, right, okay. So, so that was my... It's quite a slim thing, isn't it? I actually saw yes. a copy the other day. And... And everything about it was, was handcrafted. And although I, I say I didn't want to copy the man, I was hugely influenced, of course. Right. And, uh, and, and I've, I've evolved from that. Was it part of your life's game plan, Mark, to become a guidebook writer? Or really, did that fortuitous series of events shape what happened next? Rather, I, I had such a duff education uh, and everything was geared to farming. And... Uh, it was my release, uh, escape. It, it was something I could express myself and I realised that really it was just something that I could uniquely do mm. and that keeps charging you up with energy to do it. Onwards we go. Onwards we go. Great little spot to stop here. It's a little, little bluff, grassy bluff overlooking the upper part of Dungeon Gill. Yeah. And we're parallel level with Pike Town now, with Thorn Crag ahead of us, and just round the corner, Harrison's Tickle. And still up here, we've got a few little holly bush there, clinging, clinging to the rocks. Yeah, a sprig of heather. And the uh, view's starting to open up in all directions now, Paviark clear, and is that people on the top? I think it is. Well, that's uh, Paviark, yeah, people on top of Paviark, but just above Jack's Rake. And if we go around a bit... We've got Blee, Blee Rig. Blee Rig, yeah. Great and little Castle Howe leading on that ridge that leads to Silver Howe. Lovely Silver Howe. And just over to the west now, we've got the Coniston Fells really Absolutely. starting to shine. Fabulous. Uh, Weatherlum is the big lump there beyond Blake Rig. Yeah. And to the right of that, you can see uh, Swell Howe and the sharp edge of Great Cars. Great Cars looking formidable from here, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the angle, isn't it? I mean, actually, the front face of it is formidable, but you don't... You don't really comprehend it. You, you go up wet side edge from Rhino's Pass, and uh, it's only when you get near the top you realise there's a cliff beneath your feet. Now, you've got to know this landscape, Mark, over many decades through walking. It's mm. all about the feet and giving yourself access to the places that the motor car won't go. Mm. As an overriding passion for you, what is it about putting your feet down on the ground? Oh, well, brought up on a farm, ploughing the soil, being close to the good earth roots you to a place and getting into the mountains and feeling them under your feet and in your hands occasionally, you are tuned into a place far more than you ever could be in a car or even on a bicycle. I think you need to be 
unfettered. The old ways were pedestrian. This is a pastoral landscape where people graze sheep, they walked up here, they came around it. The whole area is a walked-on landscape. We live in the, in effect, the recreational age of leisure, but truly it's a working landscape and it's a walking landscape. Is that connection with the past important to you? Fundamental. You are always a part of history. Every time you come to a place, you are touching somebody else's life. Do you think that our connection to that past is is in a good place at the moment? The sense of wonder is something that seems to be being spoilt by artificial things. We are genetically connected to other creatures that formed before us, and the chain of continuity goes back millions of years. Mm -hmm. We are at a critical moment in the history of all life on Earth, and we've got to be aware of that. I get the feeling, Mark, that you would be happy, really, to put down the pen and ink and just walk. That's the way. If I could get rid of all life's trappings. I know, David, you've done some wonderful long walks, and it's in your DNA as well. And I've just never had that. I've been so embroiled with both the projects and family life that's denied me. And I, I'm sure my wife will say, oh, crikey me, you're walking all the time. But that well, wonderful you, you thing... You are, Mark. <laughs> to be fair to, to Helen. <laughs> but I'd like to go on a long journey and just yeah, yeah. day after day. And, and that, that's something I've never really done. It's yeah, always been yeah. part structured days. Well, there's still much time, Mark. You still... Oh, I'm only a lad. <laughs> yes, you're only a lad. You still walk phenomenal distances that put men half your age to shame. So uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I, sure I got, you can still. I've got 25 it. years of really good walking ahead of me. A good little note to end this section. We'll carry on upwards. So we've crested a little brow, and suddenly we've got that huge volcanic upthrust of Harrison Stickler ahead, and. You mentioned it's the Climbers Traverse Mark. Where it suddenly opens up and becomes upland pasture, the Alp as it were. The Climbers Path, almost invisibly as we can see at the moment, now contours to get intimate with Gimmer Crag. And we've also got up to the left there, there's Loft Crag and our destination just poking up there. Yes, yeah, well the first bit is Thorn Crag, which implies that once upon a time, Hawthorne will have been growing up there. It's now long since I lost any hint of that. And we go through this little notch in the horizon there, uh, up to Loft Crag, and, and Pucker's Tickle actually manages to just overtop it. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, and a few back. You see Blee Tarn. Blee Tarn, yes, and yeah, you can see right. right the way down. Black Coombe, is that? What's on the no, horizon? No, Black over to Adesite over here. So that's what Beacon Fell, is it? Beacon Hill, Beacon Fell, down lower part of Coniston. Yeah. You've got uh, Grisdale Forest through that landscape. No, actually, I think that could be Whitbarrow. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. So you're seeing the whole length down there through that cut in which Bleetarn sits. Mm. And, of course, you, you moved up. You abandoned your Cotswolds roots, Mark, and you, <laughs> you moved up here. How many years ago was it now? Uh, 2001, right in the midst of the foot and mouth uh, trauma, right. which uh, really uh, affected rural Cumbria as other areas of, of England. And uh, you actually couldn't get on the fells. 
That's right. Huge areas quarantined. So you came up here, and at that stage in your life, was it inevitable? So far as I was concerned, it was in my DNA. From, from my young days, from my farm, I could look to the setting sun, which set over Morgsbury Hill near Stow-on-the-Wold. Isn't that lovely? Right, right. And, and that always gave me the sense of the northwest. Really? That was the northwest for me. So you were looking that way and thinking, one day... Dream, dreaming. Really? Uh, anybody comes to the consoles know where Stow-on-the-Wold is, where Morgsbury Hill is, uh, Ickham it's a, Hill. It's a tiddler compared it, to... Oh, gosh, you dream. We all dream and I was fortunate to be able to realise it. So you moved up and you moved to a lovely place over in um, the east of Cumbria. Has it been everything that you hoped? Cumbria is absolutely wonderful. I couldn't imagine living in a more wonderful county. Mm. It's got its flaws like everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you go down south and as my, my daughter lives in Hampshire and the roads are chock-a-block. Uh, everywhere is chock-a-block. You're not chock-a-block here. And I live mm. on the edge of the Eden Valley and it's, it's the nearest thing to heaven. There's space, isn't there, to free yourself and breathe fresh air and, and all of that. And like you, I suppose, I dreamed of moving up. I think I worried that it wouldn't quite deliver. That's the worry about having a dream, isn't it? You've got to have structure to your dream. You just can't just have fantasy. I know people no, who've come up here right. and haven't been able to find friends. Or jobs and relate often, and jobs and all these things, All the things that are fundamental to actually living, yeah. if you haven't got the structure to build it on, then, of course, it all collapses. And, and what was it, Mark, specifically? Because, you know, you, you look to the northwest, and as we've discovered on Country Stride and as both you and I know there are so many wonderful parts. You could have gone to the Dales, you could have gone to the North Pennines, you could have gone to Northumbria. Why was it Cumbria? Why was it the lakes? Here you have the most amazing collective of hills. Each has their own character. You can never be bored in the Lake District Fells. Whatever the weather, I'm in my element. Here we are, Mark, in the wide expanse of the upland bowl of Harrison Coombe. A lovely little spot. We're just sitting down for now. Admiring the, the view under blue skies and all the people. We've got people pretty much on all of the summits we can see. Yeah, there's a whole series of couples either on the top of Loft Crag I can look up to and there's a couple just gone by. Uh, a couple just coming off Harrison Stickle. Uh, and the, the marshy, undulating ground of uh, Harrison Coombe has got outcrops in it as well. It's not like a mm. barren hollow. And uh, Thunica Knot, right up to our north. I love the name Thunica Knot. It means wavy hair. The knot with the wavy hair. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. It's rather like stickle. It really just means stick-like. Piker stickle is an ever more striking, up-thrusting oh, yeah. stick. No, that's, that's a great-looking fell, isn't it? You first come and see this 50 years ago, and since then, Mark, you've wandered the Lakeland Fells <laughs> uh, over many, many thousands of, of visits. And Wainwright famously closes uh, the last of his pictorial guides with his top six, doesn't he? Oh, yes. Top six fells, and he, uh, he gives top six ridges as well. I could never ask you what your favourite fell is because I know you wouldn't tell me. Uh, I would others. never mention Nethermost Pike to you ever. <laughs> I'm giving you six. Six fells that you think are remarkable and mean a lot to you. 
Well, okay, Nethermost Pike. Nethermost um, Pike. We, we, we have to have a why on this. What? Uh, I, I just love particularly Nethermost Cove. I, I find that you're right in the thick of Helvellyn. You've got this uh, strider edge rising above you with people teeming across mm. it. And yet you get into that cove and you could be in the wildest Scottish highlands. It's a raw glacial quarry. Everything about the place is mountain. It reeks mountain and almost nobody ever goes there. It's wonderful. So these wonderful mountain sanctuaries that you just really want to love to bits. And you can climb out on the south side and up the east ridge of Nethermost Pike, what I call Hard Edge because it overlooks Hard Tarn and it ends with a lovely rocky crest. And that makes a lovely ascent and so rarely done. I've never done that. So, so number two? Number two. Um, hmm, now you've got me. Oh, dear me, dear. Uh, you, you can rack your brains. You do I, have I, six choices. I've got six. So well, I've got, got five I can, left. I think Blencathra has to be in there. It's a lovely, lovely hill. I know it's got a blank back, as it were, but it, it, it just looks so handsome. I often come along the A66, and it always captivates me, uh, and I would still call it Saddleback. <laughs> Because <laughs> as you're coming along, in days gone by, everybody rode on a horse and they will have iconically known it mm. as the saddle. So that's a great fell. Great fell. Yeah, right. uh, others. Goodness me. Uh, high style is a great one. Lovely fell. Um, uh, haystacks, great little fell. Haystacks. Well, you're using this up quite quickly now. Pillar, great gable. What a fabulous fell. Lingmel. Wait a minute. This is Ling seven Mel. now. Oh, Lingmel. I love Lingmel. It's got just about everything you could ask for on a fell. Um, okay, well, I'm afraid. Crags. Right, Mark, um, enough. I knew this would happen. <laughs> I go rampant. More interestingly, <laughs> you, you clearly do have a favourite one, which is Nethermost Pike. Um, iconic ridges. Just let's just have a couple of these, uh, and this is topical because you have been re-researching them for the the latest fell ranges. You've been out wandering, and in fact, we had a, a rather enjoyable walk ourselves over Skidder Way, didn't we? We which did. Is, which oh, that good. was that was really good. Lovely ridges, like. Um, White side along to Hope Gill Head. That's a lovely, gentle little intriguing ridge, isn't it? White side seen from Grassmore is one of the, the most fabulous fells in Lakeland, I think, mm. actually. Mm. And it's very little appreciated. It's incredibly dramatic. It's absolutely like. Very remote. I, I, I love being up on uh, Grassmore as well. You know, Robinson, um, Heinzkarth. Oh, what a wonderful fellow. I was on Heinzkarth a week ago. And, oh, it's a great up, up scope end. Uh, uh, we're talking about ridges. Ridges. Well, if, if you go uh, Cat Bells all the way up to High Spy, that's a lovely ridge. Mm. Just keep going um, and sweep round under Heinzkarth and Robinson and down uh, and then finish off on. Uh, uh, not rigging and Ard Crags. What a great mm. skyline ridge that is. I love Ard Crags. Uh, Coldale Horseshoe. What a great walk. Uh, Grisdale Pike, Hope Gill Head. I'm caught, I have to call time on this, Mark. I, you're yeah. just going to go on for the rest oh, of we'll. the day. You're just... God, there's so many wonderful places. <laughs> trying, to, trying to pick I will never get bored. You. you won't get bored. But one thing I did want to ask about is you are very ambivalent about fell bagging aren't you that's that's not your scene at all the people who kind of have lists of the 214 well, that, people that's not to, you no it's not me I, I never i never climb a wainwright i've never been up a wainwright in my life uh, <laughs> i've always had structure of purpose for what i'm doing so i don't need lists no. most people need to have some kind of structure so that's where the lists come in i like a bit of a list it's an itch you have to scratch but um fundamentally 
everybody needs a, a motivation. So, okay, if listeners do it for you, it's just a, I just don't need them. And when you say you've never climbed a Wainwright, what you mean is uh, you think of these fells as fells, not, they're not any they're, kind they're of the, classification. No, they, they belong to themselves. Just coming down off the top of Loft Crag, Mark, <laughs> and the skyline now turning into a proper panorama. Oh, it is that. Creeper Crags, Bowfell, Esk Pike, Great End, uh, Allen Crags, and in front of this, of course, uh, Rosset Pike. Uh, you can see through to the little dome top of Great Gable, uh, Pike of Stickle, with a couple of people climbing onto the top. To the right of that is uh, Glaramara yep. and Coombe Head. In the distance, you're looking to Crag Hill and Grisdale Pike. And just coming over the horizon on the long slope of high rays is Skidder, but it's just very top. And you can just see Bath. You can. The gap. We are coming to this point in the walk, Mark, where uh, usually you turn the tables on the guests to ask these quick-fire questions. Oh, yes, you want me to ask you questions? No. Oh. No, these are for you. Oh, God. Sorry about that. So, you know how it all works because you've asked it often enough. First up, favourite view? Oh, crikey. Um, oh, dear. Uh, ooh, uh, place fell, looking back to Helvellyn. What a spacious view that is. Wainwright or Wordsworth? Wordsworth. Um, no, Wor Wainwright, what am I talking about? <laughs> that was perverse of me, I didn't mean that. Sorry, A.W. Herdwick or Red Squirrel? Um, well, we've lost our Red Squirrel where I live and I'm very, I miss them awfully. You're going for the Red Squirrel. Your perfect lakes day. A day like today is just with good company and you certainly are good company, Dave. Yeah. It's, it does half make it. Uh, you can walk alone as I do nine times out of ten. Uh, but if you've got good company and you've got weather like this and you're sharing uh, the spirit of the place, you just can't beat it. And you bump into people like I, I love bumping into people uh, and sharing the magic. And uh, I usually can add something to their day just as they can add something to mine. If you're Prime Minister for a day, what one thing would you do to safeguard the future of the Lake District? Uh, I'd get more public transport look after it by making it accessible to far more people, different types of people, and make it practical to come, because most people can't afford to come here. I know that people get so much thrill and uplift from coming to a place like this. You shouldn't be able to just come here because you've got deep pockets. Favourite pub? Whew. Uh, well, Stickle Barn's very good. Cheers, isn't it? Yeah. When the time comes, Mark, where, if anywhere, would you like a loved one to spread a few of your ashes? Near the most cove. Right, yes, okay. You're giving them a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Is that, you'll be having the last laugh there. <laughs> if you were to take one more walk, where would you go? I'd go on Crinkle Crags. I'm looking at it now. What a lovely horizon that would be. That's a, that's a most enchanting ridge. Rock pools, rocks, great diversity. And you're looking at the Estelle aspect of the Scorfells. Fabulous. And, and I love it on Esk Pike, the south, south ridge of Esk Pike. That's a wonderful wild area to wander. Let's, uh, let's make our final way now over this. It's only, what, 400 metres, something like that? Yeah, oh, it's a very Slightly. striking summit.
Let's see. It's ahead of us. Let's go for it. Let's go. Well, here we are, Mark, on the top of the summit you first climbed 50 years ago. Frightening. <laughs> and uh, what, a, what a great place. I feel rejuvenated just by being here. It's Big Fell Country. You're really in the thick of it here. That sounds like a title of a book. It, well, Big yeah, Fell Country. Big Fell Country. And uh, this little expanse of tarns. Mark Crag Moor. All the survey years ago had a one-inch map of the Lake District, the tourist map had that as the Mark Crag Moo. They dropped the R off really? it to trick people because oh. it's bang in the middle of their map. What they were hoping they would catch people copying it. Yeah, right? that was right. It. Okay. M Mark Crag Moo. Brilliant. And <laughs> looking north, start of Blencastra there. Glara Mara and uh, Cam Crag coming up uh, by Woof Gill. Yes. I think that's a great name. Woof Gill. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. There's a Cat Gill as well, isn't there? Yo, that's on Walla Crag. So the same walk, five decades apart, Mark, but presumably that love of the mountains born then still resonates as strongly as ever. Oh, it enhances itself with every new year. Life is so short, and, and to have places like this to come to and just keep reminding yourself that these places will endure. Mm. Living, breathing environments for every generation. And presumably to ask what next for Mark Richards, um, we know, don't we? It will be walk, continue coming to places like this. It's the first thing I learned to do when I was a little boy. <laughs> and I've kept it going. <laughs> and I see people older than me considerably in their 90s, still, still walking. walking. Uh, old Tom Stevenson kept it up till his well, 90s. Ron, Ron Scholes, uh, he's 90, he was 92 days ago. Uh, he used to walk with Wainwright and he's created the Pennine Odyssey, a new journey from Leek up to Hadrian's Wall. There you are, somebody who's at 90 creating a journey. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, so plenty of time left to do this wonderful thing that you love, Mark, and noting down not only on Country Stride, but also, of course, your Fell Rangers books. Thanks so much for, for guiding me today, Mark, turning the mic around, haven't we? And um, you've obviously been a, a great um, guide once again, so thanks. That's yeah, a pleasure. Journey's End, down in Great Langdale, sitting in the shade beside the beer garden at Sticklebarn, and we're looking out over the evening light lying on Lingmore Fell. And we had quite a rough descent, Mark, didn't we? Relentless, actually. Yeah, I decided to make it a circular. Actually, if we'd have come down by Markgate, <laughs> we'd have been more comfortable as it turned out. We came down by Harrison Coombe and then the Pike Tau. Pike Tau is, was our descent. I'm not personally recommending it either as an ascent or a descent and I hadn't actually been up Mark Gate ascent but it's, it's 
really quite good, isn't it? It's, it's well graded, you're, it's a nice steady process, there's no awkward sections on it. So that's the old way? Ah, it's the natural old droving route. Yeah. The shepherd's bringing the stock of Thunica knot and all the upland there right, will have naturally come that way, drawing down here to this critical farm area here yeah. uh, near the new Dungeon Gill. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for, for guiding us today. It was a pleasure uh, on this rare occasion when it was just the two of us. Some housekeeping. If you've enjoyed today's episode, there are now 17 other episodes to enjoy at www.countrystride.co.uk. Please do engage with us on social. We are... Oh, at Fellranger1. Oh, could you? <laughs> <laughs> at Country Stride One. At Country Stride One. If you want to engage with Mark, it's at Country Stride One. At Country Stride One on both, on both Facebook and Twitter. We have some exciting episodes forthcoming. Indeed, yes. uh, the next one, I. I think I'm going to be left out of. You're not absolutely essential, you know. I am slightly alarmed by this, but you're forsaking me. You are indulging in a an audio flirtation with somebody else. So <laughs> Helen Milligan. Yes. Helen Milligan, who regular on BBC Cumbria. Yeah, she does a Thursday evening great outdoor show. So she's going to hold the mic and do all the recording. Um, we're talking to Kate Ashbrook, Chairman of the Ramblers and General Secretary of the Open Space Society. Uh, and then after that, we are heading on to Gable, Great Gable, for the Remembrance Sunday memorial service. Mm, and, we, and we've got Dr Jonathan Westaway, who's going to tell us a great deal more than we probably ever dreamt of, of the effects of the First and Second World War on Cumbria. Yeah, so that will be fascinating, talking about wartime Cumbria and also the dedication of those fells to the nation mm. uh, in the aftermath of the, of the war as well. So two very interesting and very different uh, podcasts coming up. Please do spread the word. The more listeners we have, um, the, more, the more resources we can put into Country Stride Thank you very much for now for joining us on this walk with Mark five decades between his first and most recent walk on Pico Stickle. <laughs>